but I thought that I'd take a moment. All right. So the last thing you said was is that you dealt with it in the morning, and then it came in the afternoon, and you thought, oh, well, I dealt with this this morning. Why do I have to deal with it again? Yes. I suppose it's like ordinarily um, it's just so much easier to shift. You're Ordinarily, this the sort of like uh, – mental habit or or of being miserable the kind of like mechanism of dukkha is ordinarily so much easier to dismiss and it's it, it 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 doesn't normally have a grip and a hold that is so tenacious whereas in the last few weeks the the kind of mechanism of dukkha in my mind the way the mind leans towards it just seems to be entrenched in a way that it hasn't been for months and months and months and months and months. And months. <laughs> um, so it just well, let's review back. things for a second so that we can get that part of it straightened out. And that is, is that this all came about <clears throat> after you had a nice retreat mm. plus an aftermath of that retreat. Mm. Okay. And during that retreat, you got all goosebumpy and feeling good and all of that kind of stuff. And then you thought, oh, this is really great. And mm-hmm. I can do this, okay? Then you come back to the real world. And almost everybody does that. They have a crash landing. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've done. You've crash landed. But that crash landing actually... We have some benefit in the examination of of the ruins. Mm. And and one point that we can say is, is that while you were in retreat, you were working to get some sati going. Mm. Okay. And you were working with the other things. And when you came off a retreat, you stopped doing some of that stuff. Mm. All right. So, um... There are many examples of this, but the one that I'm thinking of is um, uh, a blackhead or a pimple or whatever like that, mm-hmm. that you you push on it and it doesn't move. And then you push really hard and then all of a sudden it goes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's about what's happening with some of these defilements is, is that you were uh, on retreat kind of pushing them down. Mm. And then when uh, you came back and don't have such a good, decent practice anymore, <laughs> they come back up. And you say, I don't like that. Mm. But in fact, what they came back up to was what you used to get along with quite well because you didn't have quite the mindfulness that you have now. Mm. And so the reality of the situation is, is that even though you're more intensely um, noticing these things, their intensity hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. You just see that more. Mm-hmm. And the more you see this stuff, you don't like it because you, for a while, you're able to put it down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and keep this going. It goes away and it goes away and it goes away. All right. So now the first thing that we need to do is to recognize that you actually don't like this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
that you don't like the anger. You don't like the resentment. You don't like those feelings when they come up. That you, and, all right. But this kind of not liking is because, in fact, we can recognize and see the dukkha of it. Before, when we couldn't see the dukkha of it, we didn't see it in quite the same way. And so we did not have this unliking of it. And so, in fact, in a kind of a strange little way, you're making yourself worse because now you can see it. Mm. And um, it's interesting what you're saying about that not liking of it. Yeah, because in the past, you wouldn't, it wouldn't stand out. There wouldn't be enough contrast. It would just be the water that you're swimming in. And it would also be you. Like you would. <clears throat> To say you didn't like it would seem ridiculous because it seems like that suffering is you. Whereas now there's like a little bit more distance. You realize that you don't need that suffering to to be. And actually it's just <laughs> and it's miserable. Excellent way of putting it. So... Um, you're, you're right. That's the point that we need to make now for you is that now you have a newfound disliking for Dukkha. Mm -hmm. This can help then your dedication to make sure that you're free of it. Mm -hmm. If this is part of the progress, we have to now gain that through uh, we have to gain that determination to be free from this dukkha, but we do it through uh, the right attitude that we've been developing that I can get rid of it. Mm. See, that's also what you've been testing because you have, in fact, said I could get rid of it. I did get rid of it. I was free of it. Now it's back. Mm. Is, is that going, what's that going to do to my unremitting... Boy, what's that going to do to my uh, unremitting um, right um, attitude? Mm. Well, unfortunately, it's made it remitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's remit. <laughs> Please remit. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten rid of the prefix. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so we need to get our remit up. Okay. to bring it back to get our mojo going yes. and part of that has to do with the reconciliation of yes it is going to keep coming back up but I'm determined now to do something about it now that I've had the best good success that I have had with this we can continue on with that mm. in other words Good old Kawanka to the rescue. Trying <laughs> to start again, <laughs> it, and it does. It does feel like that in like practice, like post retreat. It does feel like starting again, right? Because you have to humble yourself when, like, all of that kind of the samadhi that you develop on retreat, it does not stay, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you you kind of start from a, a different place than you were on a everyday basis than you were starting on on day five of your retreat or whatever. Right. Yeah. 
And so we have to start again. It's kind of like that didn't bother me, which is the, the last retreat I did, which was a long time ago. It really bothered me that my that the samadhi was so different post retreat. That hasn't been. I've been completely at ease with that. That hasn't been the issue. Um, Wait a minute! Weren't you the one who said you've been miserable? Wasn't yeah, that but not about that. But not about that. I've got whole other things I've been miserable about. <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> I haven't been miserable. All right, I'm back. Um, yeah, I haven't been miserable about the, the shift, the change in practice that kind of is the inevitable post-retreat change. That's actually felt, I mean, I'm completely at ease with that. I've got, um, I do, like, I feel like practice, like, especially this kind of samadhi, it goes up and it goes down. And some of those things are, uh, it, it, those things naturally arise based on conditions like that's become so clear to me over the last year that the idea of getting annoyed about the fact that on retreat x or y was available and then in daily life x and y at the moment x and y are not available the idea of getting upset or annoyed about that is absurd and doesn't hasn't entered into my thing what what you're talking about about the pimple exploding though and I is that that makes a lot of sense, but it, it feels like what's come up since is actually like a very deep rooted psychological um, pattern, like a very, very, very old, old. What's the best word for this? Like old pattern or old script? Wound. Yeah, wound works as well. Uh, script or wound. Um, and there's like a few life circumstances that like have that that have uh, made that script or that wound surface. But you know, I I know that life circumstances are not the the be all and end all. It's obviously how one relates to the life circumstance that determine whether or not it becomes a big duka party or not. Okay. <laughs> well. Here, one thing that we have to keep track of is is that these things that we're calling deep, deep wounds or what whatnot, actually do come to the surface mm -hmm. on a regular basis. This is what we call hindrances. Mm. But now what we're doing is we're getting kind of down to the root, mm -hmm. which uh, uh, the the translation that Bhikkhu Buddha. Uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi uses is underlying tendency mm. and that I actually did some research on that word underlying tendency to find that it's used in several different ways in the sense that there's more than one different list of underlying tendencies that for instance, the second noble truth, the greed, ill will, and delusion, those three can be considered underlying tendencies. Mm. Another way of looking at the underlying tendencies actually fits and conforms directly and precisely with the four instincts. Mm -hmm. 
And so we can think of these deep things as actually instinctual. Mm, yes, I can. I I can completely see that because the how the developing psyche responds to these instincts being met or not being met mm -hmm. in what patterns one's kind of psychological uh, in sort of print, right? Like I can see exactly. That. And the primary um, baseline is um, the, the self-preservation instinct, that which keeps us alive and its mechanism for keeping us alive or its communication method is to sound the alarm. What is that? Fear. Fear is the alarm. Mm. And that in our society, mostly there's no reason to have any fear at all. Mm. Because we live in a safe environment. Mm. But way back when, uh, fear kept us alive as a species. Not just as a species of humans, but back into being apes and yeah, their fear and the various things that associated with that fear is what kept the tribe alive and functioning. Mm. But now we live in a much more modern society, which means most of the fear that arises into the form of the surface is, let us say, false positives. Mm. So this machine that's down there will go off automatically on an irregular, ill-timed basis because that's his job, mm. the self-preservation instinct. We have to now bring wisdom to that mm. so that we can recognize that there's no reason to be afraid. Mm. But when we don't have the, um, uh, the mindfulness, we don't have the sati, if we're not looking at what's really going on and the associated, by just looking around and say, you know, there's nothing to fear here. Mm. And yet people will, let us say the example of is they see an email come in and they're afraid to open it. Mm. Why? That, there is nothing in an email that's going to hurt anyone. Why should we fear? Mm. Another example would be is, is that the, uh, uh, the uh, like an email or whatever, a note comes in from the university, uh, and you know that it's going to be either the acceptance or the rejection letter, right? And so all of this fear and trepidation comes, and there's no reason for any of that. Mm. that it's just an email. Mm. But look what our system, and a lot of people say, oh no, that's a good time to have all of that stuff come up. No, it's not. Because it's better to just open and see what it is rather than, you know, having all these feelings about it before it's even opened. Mm. But we can then expand that everywhere. Right. If we can be aware of it, if we can become aware of it. And you said you were miserable. Well, miserable tends to take, to take a while to build up in the sense of an over and over and over thing. Mm. If, if, if every time the misery came and you caught it mm. and say, oh, that's just more dukkha, never mind, start again. Mm. then it wouldn't be miserable at all. It'd just be part of your daily practice. Mm. Yes. You know, 
in a way, it getting miserable means you're not practicing. Because mm. it's because it suggests that there's like that cumulative buildup. Um, yeah, I suppose that kind of like off cushion, that kind of like continuous investigation, continuous gladdening, continuous. Deliberately feeling unremitting is the word that that hasn't that hasn't been there. It's like the it's the weight. It's not fear. You yes, don't... it had been. That's the whole point. Is that's what you were doing when you were on retreat? Yes. We checked that out before you went twice, and then we checked it out after you came back. And we know that that unremitting mindfulness was there and the results of that practice. But now you're not unremitting with it. Now no. you've got kind and of now, now, it's the, now it's the opposite. Now, the as I said, that kind of like that wounding or that patterning has, for whatever reason, in response to circumstance, arisen. And it now seems to be the thing which is unremitting. It's the thing which keeps coming into mind which keeps on pat, like patterning my behavior. Like it's almost like it's... Rep, rep, um, okay, but you've got a kind of a handle on it already. In fact, you called it an it. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you now have to have that strong determination mm. that we've spoke about before. Mm. To say whenever any thoughts of it come into mind, out they go. I'm not even going to dwell on it long enough to unpack it. Mm. Okay. Here's an example of that. The one that I started using years ago, the old man who is a normal temple um, attendant. He's part of the board of directors, et cetera, like that. And a new monk comes to stay in the temple. And he don't like that. You know, they have an argument or something like that. And so when this old man, who's quite a Dhamma dude, when he goes home, he now says, I'm not going to think about the temple at all. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about the temple at all are going to bring up thoughts of that monk. And any thoughts of that monk is going to bring on bad feelings. Therefore, the whole temple, the big it, is off limits to my thinking. Mm -hmm. So... That's something that you can plan on, too, is whatever it is that causes the memory of the, uh, the, um, the misery that keeps coming back. You've got to be on guard that whenever it does, out it goes. Mm. But what about, you know, this, 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 like, feeling and this, like, uh... It's so deep rooted. I I see it. If I look back on my life, it's a, it's it's the thing which comes up whenever things, whenever I feel really bad. This is the story. This is the script that plays. I mm -hmm. kind of feel like it needs. I need like some investigation, like some actual like seeing. No, you need to it. stop it. That's the major change. You don't need, you've already investigated it enough to know that it is not worthwhile having because that's why you want to investigate it is so you can get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Let's investigate it only enough now that we've investigated it, we've investigated enough to see this is dukkha. Mm -hmm. And therefore, any thought of it, you're going to ban is off limits to keep this out of your mind completely. 
because if you're successful at it, just like you keep trimming a plant, every time it grows a new leaf, you cut that leaf off, pretty soon the roots are going to die. Mm -hmm. So this is the way that we think of it. We're not going to give it any life or any vitality or any mind moments because that's where it lives, mm -hmm. is in thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And the roots of it will die out if you make sure it doesn't get any breathing room, it doesn't get any air time. Mm. What's interesting is about the lives in like the, these things they like, they have a kind of like physical, emotional component as well as a kind of like mental talk component. It sure does. This is in fact, by talking about that, you are actually referencing step eight of Anapanasati, which we don't talk about much. And that step eight is to see, to see the inner relationship between our thoughts and our feelings and our body. We can see many, many examples of that in real life. One of them is, is in debates. We don't allow as a rule, any ad hominem attacks. Why? Because if I can get my uh, opponent upset, he won't be able to do his um, uh, his talk very well. Mm. Okay. This is how Bobby Fischer was able to beat Boris Spassky in 1972. Mm -hmm. Right. That's step eight of Anapanasati to see this interconnection. Mm. And it because is. It is. In some, in some sets, like, as I said, this, this pattern of thought and feeling has become very prominent in the last few weeks. And I'll be sitting and I'll, uh, a kind of memory, thought, word, image associated with it will come up. I'll mm -hmm. let that go. But then, like, as a, immediately kind of arising with it will be like this, a really strong physical feeling Good for you. Most people are very slow to see that kind of connection. You're actually describing for me exactly how the mind works. That's referenced in this step eight of Anapanasati. Yes, you have that thought. Even if you can push it out, it's already leaked those chemicals into the body. And or what, although, what? Which way is it? I don't know. I don't know what is the chicken and the egg in it. Like they're so. But but then when you when you've let go of the thought, but the the feeling because you're because you're sitting and you're in a state of you know there's not that much else going on, the feeling then comes and the feeling almost is like it's almost like a wave of like PT, except it's like it's it, it's similar in the sense like when you can let go of the thought associated with it and you're just with the body and the feeling in the body, it, you can feel it as like this strong wave in the body. I don't know how... And, yes, and it's, it can be relaxing or relieving at least. Yes. It's a relieving, or re, it's a release, it's, a, it's a, a, a good feeling. Allow yourself that and to breathe into it. Yes. Okay. Generally what happens physiologically is that um, let us say, never mind what triggers the thought, mm -hmm. but that the thought itself uh, begins, that thought has a particular chemical base and reaction to it, and that chemical, that thought 
that is a chemical <laughs> kind of thing sets off a chain reaction that then will kick off the pituitary and the penile glands to transmit the data down to the uh, adrenaline gland. And guess what the adrenaline is going to do? When he gets the key to this, he's going to start digging some stuff out of the kidneys to make some poison out of, and he's going to throw that poison right into the bloodstream. What poison is that? Cortisol, adrenaline, get ready. So these are actually the chemicals that are associated with fear. Mm -hmm. And we can talk ourselves into being afraid. In fact, that's how we get afraid is by talking ourselves into it. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to have a stimulus from the outside. We don't have to have a bear growling at us. Mm -hmm. That in fact, uh, 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 the bears that generally growl are the ones that are on the inside anyway. Mm -hmm. And so just as I said many times before that we talk ourselves into feeling bad, time to talk ourselves into feeling good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so recognizing that the kinds of thoughts that we have of dangerous or unpleasant situations are going to bring up the feeling or the, the, uh, the chemical stuff in the body that is associated with freeze, fright, and fright. And naturally, the breathing is going to shut down. That's what, that's what that whole point is, is to get ready for, uh, uh, in fact, the freeze is because the way that the human eye works comes out of um, uh, our deep past, which other animals. One of the things that we know for sure is, is that if you have, if you're in Africa and you're around a rhino in the woods, if you see him before he sees you to freeze, because if you do freeze and you don't move, he can't see you. Mm -hmm. And then you recognize, wait a minute, all eyes, even human eyes behave that way, that what we really see is not things that blend in and stay still, what we see is movement. Mm -hmm. And so things that are hiding in plain sight, all that means is, is they're just sitting still and we don't pay any attention to it. All right. So in that regard, we freeze. Mm -hmm. Stop breathing. Mm -hmm. And that actually then makes things worse. And so to, to counteract that, that's why Anapanasati is geared to, let's get this breathing going, let's come out of that fear that in fact most of the chemicals that are in the body from that fear will get breathed out if we're breathing properly and they'll stay in there if we're not breathing too well. So even if we can shut off the mechanism, the existing adrenaline is still there, but we can breathe that out too. Mm -hmm. So are you, are you suggesting, you're saying that like that feeling when the emotional component is felt in the body, say sitting, you know, when practicing or, or in life, to, to feel into it, to breathe into it, to kind of separate it from the thought that triggered it is a helpful way to practice with it and that that is releasing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that so that's interesting because then you're differentiating between the kind of like 
the mental talk and then the kind of like physical feeling and you're saying the mental talk that's what we're going to be on guard for that's what we're going like we're seeing through we're seeing it for what for what it is we're letting it go kind of instantly and we're being glad about the fact that we're practicing successfully by seeing it and letting it go uh-huh. but then any of the kind of like more emotional felt physical kind of responses uh, like you know like a kind of like physical wave of sadness say that like comes up in response to that to kind of like breathe with it rather than try and dismiss that part of it all right let me let me back up just a bit with that and say that um you're you're right that if we can stop the thoughts then we can deal with the feelings but many students will come because we talk about it in the sense of working in in the in the realm of body mind first and then do the feelings but then the student will come in and say oh but all of this anxiety keeps coming up or tensions in the face or other things like that that i'm noticing and basically what that really means is is that he was slow on the uptake mm. and that the um the sati wasn't strong yet mm. and because of that he was thinking the th- the kinds of thoughts that would put his body into a state of anxiety or fear but once he recognizes the anxiety and fear it still let's go with having some happy thoughts let's change the content of the mind then in fact he can recognize possibly that if he is feeling anxiety mm-hmm. that the thoughts that he has is in in regard or in association with that that in fact feelings can come up before the thought why because other things can trigger a feeling mm-hmm. other than thought but thoughts are one of the things that do trigger feelings and so we can say that which came first the chicken or the egg sometimes the thoughts come first and then the feeling and sometimes the feeling first yeah. and then the thoughts that's what I was trying to get at before that that is that is how I how that that makes sense for me for what I experienced you it's interesting you're talking a lot about like tension anxiety fear stress mm-hmm. what i'm actually what i'm feeling is not it's much like softer than all of that it's like soft and it's like softer and you said you were miserable i know but it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's like it's the miserable is is not like a tense stress it's more like it's more like a uh, a deep sadness or sense of aloneness um it just what well, i i'm just sort of a sense of loss a sense of a hole inside yeah. an emptiness yes 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 the christians know all about it and that they recognize that people do have a hole inside but according to them guess what that hole is god shaped <laughs> Yeah, it's a Jesus shaped empty. Yeah, it's Jesus shaped exactly. <laughs> and so all you need to do is plug Jesus into that hole and you're good to go. But yeah, but that, within... that emptiness, that's just to, that is 
that's what I felt post post retreat coming back into life like it just felt like overcome with this sense of like empty and it, like to the extent that like and also then like looking at my relation like it's looking at my like relationships with my pen but all of this it just suddenly felt like this sense of like empty aloneness and that that's what characterized my life and all of my life and my existence now and everything and it's like this sense of like but you've had that since before you've known that before i think i think it's a very early feeling that sense of like aloneness that sense of like not being complete not being in when people are overwhelmed with this it's called um an abandonment issue yeah feel like we've been abandoned yeah i mean i think i've discussed my early life history with you before um like enough to know that it was uh worse than most so i think this is what we're talking about this like this one thing that this i feel like this is a very deep rooted thing which is emerging and i really Mm -hmm. i really want to all right well, let's go ahead and put that label on it for a while until it doesn't fit anymore. And that is the feeling of having been abandoned mm-hmm. or that you have to guard against being abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst case example of the abandonment issue is the young woman after she gets married, when her husband leaves for work, she'll have a fight with him. Mm-hmm to get him to stay, mm. right? Because she, after he leaves, then she feels alone and abandoned, right? But part of what we're working here with is the right attitude because in fact, alone and abandoned is, is kind of like the bottom line of being a victim. Mm-hmm. That not only did you uh, lose the battle, but now the one who beat you up has left you. <laughs> now there's no one to take care of you. You know, you're, you're there struggling alone and injured and incapable. All right. That's the feeling. Mm. But that's not the reality. Mm. All right. The reality is, is that you can handle yourself. Mm. That there's nothing to be afraid of. But in fact, um, people, here's a way of looking at it. Many people, without knowing what's going on, will spend part of their lives trying to fill up that hole. Mm-hmm. They fill it up with a house, with a job, with an education, and they're always disappointed, no matter how many motorcycles and or uh, buggy whips they throw into that hole, it's still is empty mm-hmm. even though it's junky and crowded in there mm-hmm. it still feels like a big hole mm-hmm. and the reason that i'm working at this level is because within christianity jesus says that the kingdom of god is within but in the greek it says basilica theos or a godly cathedral mm-hmm. So if you think about this emptiness or hole inside of yourself as a cathedral, Mm -hmm. 
and that cathedral is a holy place, mm. then it's your home. Mm. It's okay to feel this emptiness mm. because it's a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But that's a completely different way of looking at it. But the feeling is the same, the feeling of emptiness. And in fact, we want to foster that mm-hmm. because, go ahead. Well, it's interesting, yeah, that there are times when I've been able to approach that sense of emptiness with exactly that, that sense of like awe and wonder and a joy in its, in exactly its emptiness, in exactly the fact that it's not filled with shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The, that, <laughs> right, it's expansive. Yes. You got, it's spatial. Yes. It's but like, we don't have to feel lost. We're the boss. But I suppose it's somehow like in that emptiness, with its emptiness, it's so prone to being colored, like by a, a view of it, that suddenly if the view is that emptiness is like a sense of like aloneness, a sense of not lovedness, then suddenly that is what expands. That's what pervades. Uh, Exactly. But that is actually longing for something that you don't have. Which is the ability to fill the emptiness. Yes, the ability to feel loved. Except that in Buddha language, we don't use the word love because we know that the word love is, in fact, wanting something we don't have. Mm. And so I'm cautious about the word love, but I can at least point in the right direction mm. is because this a feeling of abandonment means the feeling of being unloved, unworthy. And everyone, that's what society is actually about. In fact, you could think of it as this is the nesting instinct mm. when the nest is empty. Mm. Okay, and we, and we feel that we're alone. Guess what? That's not so bad. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad. Why? Because uh, the only possibility to be not alone is by being in the company of people who have not yet got their mind together. And so in a way you're saying, I want to be entertained. (laughs) (laughs) And so this feeling of emptiness also has the quality of boredom and restlessness. That seems like, yeah, that's a secondary quality of it. Like, that's how it kind of manifests. Mm-hmm. Because we're looking for something to, to fill it up. We're looking for something because what we have now is not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's the time we need sati right then to wake that up and say, oh, yeah, really? I want to be loved? Well, then let me do it. (laughs) I can do that. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough to give myself all the love I want. And then I can appreciate what my family does for me a whole lot better because I don't need them. Yes, you're not coming to them with all of that need. You are Mm -hmm. 
complete human being who's able to kind of look after themselves and from that place you can actually be a much more loving helpful wonderful parent partner friend mm -hmm. whatever i get that yes. okay so now you're getting in touch with the fact that everybody has this emptiness or this longing in there and that in the buddha's language this is the stuff of the of the high uh five fetters uh, especially this this restlessness mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that for many people they express this restlessness in boredom in doubt we can talk about it in the sense of feeling empty inside or longing for something or being incomplete mm -hmm. but then if you turn your joy juice on you get your mojo going and you can just pop right out of the uh, the chemistry that creates that stuff and suddenly that emptiness is a kind of like rich, vibrant inner. Oh, wow, it's nice that. in here. <laughs> what? Wow, it's nice in here, nice yeah. and empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful idea. That's the, the language of that in Christianity. What do you say? Basilica Theos, the like okay. inner, that is a very, that I find that very appealing. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And that everything you breathe is God. Mm. It's a God-filled emptiness. Mm. And with every breath, we breathe in the divine, the holy, the wholesome. Mm. And every breath we breathe out, we breathe out all of the anxiety, the tensions, the worries, everything. Mm. And so this is the way of, of thinking about it is, is that, and inside this Basilica Theos, is capable of taking my exhaust unremittingly. Mm. Okay, that's a, that's a joyful part of looking at it too. In fact, I have uh, uh, many years ago, but done guided meditations mm. with this this whole idea of, of of the basilica theos or the emptiness inside becomes part of our breathing and that we breathe in God and breathe out God and, and breathe out uh, all of the anxieties and the tensions and the worries with each breath. And we can get ourselves into a good space knowing that, yeah, it's okay that we're empty inside. It's just a feeling. Mm. But now I begin to like that feeling. Mm. Because what is my choice is to continue to not like it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so we become friends with the way that we feel. Mm -hmm. We become kind to ourselves in that regard. Mm -hmm. But what you talk about is miserable is because you're doing this. Mm -hmm. You don't want it. You don't like it. Mm -hmm. Right? So instead, it's about like opening to it, breathing with it, making friends with it, showing kindness, love towards it, and Thank letting Taking it. the unsatisfactoriness out of it, take the dukkha yeah. out of it, so that this is dukkha naroda. Mm. Yes. And so oh, this is why we have to practice at a deep level, or not a deep level. This is more an advanced level of, of practice. Mm. Well, I feel really, um, I feel really lucky to have had this, well, really fortunate to have had this conversation with you and really, I genuinely feel really excited about it. Because as I said, it's like, I feel like 
this is the this is like the bottom line in some ways for me. It's like this feeling and this until feeling. you get to another bottom line. But <laughs> and that 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 way of of approaching it, that way of thinking about it, really, mm -hmm. uh, I can see that that is a really rich and expansive possibility. And uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I have to go. I have to Me go too. right away. Thank you so much for your time. I'm gonna. Um, I'll speak to you next week. I'm glad. I'm, yeah. I'm really glad to talk with you. Thank you for talking with me about this. This is good stuff. Okay. It's good for you. Okay. So we'll see you later. See you soon. Go well, Damaratu. Thank okay, you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for calling. <laughs>